Welcome to What Christians Should Know, hosted by Dr. Elijah Sadoffel. This podcast equips you with clarity and meaningful answers about God, the Bible, and your Christian life. Now, here's Dr. Sadoffel. The Bible plainly and clearly illustrates principles that transcend time and are equally relevant to all nations, tribes, peoples, and kingdoms. Accordingly, God has memorialized many historical events to us in His Word because the key to interpreting the present is found in the past, and the key to charting a course in the future is also found in the past. Now, how is all this relevant to our current endeavor? because we can learn some very insightful lessons about how the world works by reading about the historical events in the book of Exodus. Specifically, we can learn about how secular power is used to hurt vulnerable populations. In this short, I will explain three distinct ways that political power is used to subjugate people in an escalating progression of oppression. Before I get into the three reasons, I will establish the backdrop of our story. At the end of the book of Genesis, we are introduced to a figure who is a type of Christ. That figure is Joseph, who was betrayed by his brothers and sold into slavery. If we fast forward several decades, Joseph, the man who entered Egypt as a slave, becomes Pharaoh's second in command. That made Joseph the second most powerful figure in the known world. Back then, Pharaoh knew Joseph, he knew Joseph's family, and he knew Joseph's God. Pharaoh therefore treated Joseph and his relatives favorably. If we fast forward hundreds of years in biblical history, we now find that the descendants of Jacob have now proliferated in the land of Egypt. What once was a family of 70 that moved from Canaan into Egypt had become a people in excess of 2 million, which is a conservative estimate. So, at the beginning of the book of Exodus, we have a new Pharaoh that did not know Joseph, who did not know Joseph's God, and who did not have a personal relationship with the descendants of Israel. At the time, Pharaoh viewed the Hebrews with disdain, and in Exodus chapter 1 verses 8 to 10, the text says, There arose a new king over Egypt who did not know Joseph. And he said to his people, Behold, the people of Israel are too many and too mighty for us. Come, let us deal shrewdly with them, lest they multiply, and if war breaks out, they join our enemies and fight against us and escape from the land. What these verses basically say is that the people of Israel posed a potential threat to Egypt, so Pharaoh subsequently pursued a course of systematic oppression of the people of Israel. So the first way that political power is used to subjugate people is with targeted exploitation. In Exodus 1.11, the text says that Egyptians set taskmasters over the people of Israel in order to afflict them with heavy burdens. What the people were then forced to do was build store cities or places that served as room for the Egyptian surplus. In other words, the first step in Egypt flexing its power was to force the people of Israel into labor, and exploitation of their work was used to benefit Egypt in the form of infrastructure. And the fact that the taskmasters were appointed over the people means the Egyptian power structure used other Egyptians to make life for the Hebrew people harder than it ought to have been. What I want to draw your attention to here is that by a fiat of Pharaoh, an external pressure was applied on the Israelites, and the source of said pressure was Egypt and Egypt alone. 
So, although Pharaoh mentioned that the people of Israel may possibly fight against the state, in reality, what the Egyptians actually did is prove themselves to be the actual bad guys by robbing the people of Israel of their liberty. This is what tends to happen when regimes act on potentialities and fear and not actualities based on concrete facts. So the first way that political power is used to subjugate people is with targeted exploitation. This, however, was only step one. The second way that political power is used to subjugate people is with dehumanization. In Exodus 1 verses 12 to 14, the text says, Although the people of Israel were exploited, the plan backfired, and they ended up having even more children and spreading out. This amplified the original fears of an internal threat, so the Egyptians made the people of Israel work as slaves. In other words, giving the people a hard life as regular citizens was not enough. Now they were demoted to slaves, and their lives were made bitter with hard service. The text says the Egyptians ruthlessly made the people of Israel work. What happens here is the people of Israel no longer people. Now they were slaves. Slaves are not people and ought not to be treated as such. What justifies treating a slave as a slave is that you must dismiss the notion that you are actually interacting with a person made in the image and likeness of God. You cannot think that because that would actually have an effect on your conscience and produce feelings of compassion and remorse. If the people are truly a threat and are less than human, then not only is violence allowable, it must be done to keep this population in check. Dehumanization trips a person or a group of people of basic human dignity. Dehumanization paves the way for slavery, and slaves lack rights, lack property, and ought not to have families, nor enter into meaningful relationships. The enslavement of the people of Israel, of course, brought about the destruction of the family, which shatters identities and fractures core relationships, which is the final nail in the abominable campaign of dehumanization. So, the second way that political power is used to subjugate people is with dehumanization. But the final method used by the Egyptians was the most despicable. So the third way that political power is used to subjugate people is with murder. In Exodus 1 verses 15 to 22, the text says that the king of Egypt commanded the Hebrew midwives to murder all newborn male Hebrew babies. The midwives feared God, and so they did not obey this immoral mandate. In verse 22, Pharaoh then commanded all his people to cast every newborn male child into the Nile. In other words, the king of Egypt made it legal to kill children and then ordered an entire nation to participate in infanticide. Using political power to kill is nothing new, and the destruction of life is the end result of a worldview that is focused on the self. When a person regards themselves as the center of the universe, then everything peripheral to the center becomes expendable. When the self attaches itself to a nation or a collective, the instinct of self-preservation is now shared by a unified group. All threats to the self must be vanquished, and exploitation, dehumanization, and murder is what invariably follows. Throughout the Bible, we see pagan leaders trying to execute innocent babies. Pharaoh does it here in Exodus, and Rome tried to kill baby Jesus in the New Testament. 
And yes, while the legalization of murder has its most obvious correlation to abortion in the modern era, political power can often be used in more subtle ways to murder economies, murder communities, murder identities, and murder the biblical model of a family. At its core, the destruction of life is animated by an internal sense of autonomy that regards the life of the self as so important, the death of the other is deemed reasonable. So the third way that political power is used to subjugate people is with murder. In conclusion, the scene from Exodus 1 describes a pagan king unfamiliar with the God of the Bible. So, these historical events make logical sense because it depicts a pagan nation trying to serve its own ends, independent of the Lord. And what ultimately happened to the Egyptians? They were decimated by the only one who really is God, Yahweh, the God of the Bible. The antidote to the immoral and evil practices depicted in Exodus 1 is to simply obey the two greatest commandments, to love God and to love your neighbor. Loving God means you live life with Him as the captain of your ship, and loving your neighbor means purposefully acting toward them in ways that respects their innate being as an image-bearer of God. Pharaohs have come and gone, and the Egyptian empire has fallen, but God always is. Unfortunately, there are many regimes in modernity that will follow the Egyptian example, but the Egyptian example is doomed to fail before it even begins. This is God's world, and although it has fallen, as long as we live according to God's principles, creation will not denigrate into a moral chaos and an abyss of evil. I don't know where you are in the world when you hear these words, but you ought to ask yourself a probing question. Is the regime under which you live following the example of God or following the example of Pharaoh and Egypt? Thank you for listening. For more valuable resources, including a bookstore and online Bible study, visit wcsk.org.